this is a very simplistic view for very simple orders. And if it's, it becomes very complicated, then this would become unwieldy. I've seen a number of order history screens that are basically, you know, spreadsheets. So you just get a bunch of lines and, you know, date order. And, you know, you can export that to slice and dice it however you want. So when you're dealing with large volumes, that makes it easier. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Do you know an e-commerce platform that is open source and targeted at SMBs? Do you know an e-commerce platform originated in France? Do you know an open source platform that has thousands of installations. Do you know an e-commerce platform that makes money primarily from selling annoys? Do you know an e-commerce platform that is built on PHP but is not Magento? If you guessed Prestashop, then you are right. In today's episode, we invited a panel of experts to review Prestashop's capabilities. We discussed its unique value proposition, its uh, strategy to make money using add-ons and themes, and the pros and cons of an open source software. Finally, we discussed its customers and target market, the transaction history workflow, and its strength with European regions such as France, Italy, and Germany. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at uh, 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We review one vendor or the solution independently. And um, for today, we have a very interesting solution. It's called uh, Shop. It's very interesting overall, especially in the developer communities. We are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with our intros. Uh, if you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta, your host and principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP commerce and digital transformation consulting firm. On that note, I am going to move to Robert for his intro. Hi, I'm Robert Brown. I'm the principal of Robert Brown e-commerce consultancy. Uh, we help small to medium-sized B2C and D2C businesses move forward. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. Um, and if you're in the guest and uh, joining for the first time, make sure you guys post your questions in the comments. We typically try to cover them um, towards the tail end of the show. If you run out of time, we'll make sure that you are going to receive your answers. On that note, Robert, I am going to start with the quick commentary uh, about this solution, and then we can talk about where they fit in the value chain overall from the technology perspective, the solution offering perspective, as well as from the go-to-market strategy perspective. So PrestaShop, uh, obviously, this is a very, uh, you know, open source driven uh, platform. So we have three or four different open source platform in the market at this point of time. I guess we have already reviewed the bigger one. Uh, Magento Adobe Commerce is always going to be the top open source. Uh, then you have the Auto Commerce, and then uh, PrestaShop is the third one. I don't know if we have any other open source platforms in the market. The other interesting interesting thing about open source solution is that they all are PHP based. And when I am talking about PHP, how can I miss the biggest open source platform, which is going to be probably WordPress and WooCommerce, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Robert. Okay, so these four and all of them are, uh, you know, PHP centric, PHP driven. Uh, you know, that's the, the the common theme and the thread that we typically see, at least in the e-commerce community. Now, uh, Presta Shop is a very SMB centric solution. It is not supposed to be the enterprise solution. Uh, 
based on the kind of features they have. Interestingly enough, uh, they started in France and majorly their features and, you know, the way the platform is positioned. It's a very French solution. Uh, you know, it does really well in some of the neighboring countries. Uh, North America, sure, if the initiative is going to be very developer driven, then they might argue for PrestaShop. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I don't know how much penetration they really have uh, in the North American market. But again, if if the initiative is going to be driven by developers, they typically have the bias uh, towards the open source platforms. There are always going to be pros and cons of open source versus commercial solution. There's nothing free in this world, and this platform is not supposed to be free. In fact, they charge a lot. Okay, uh, if you look at their um, investors' pitch, the way this works, uh, and Robert, I know you are shocked with that comment. And the, <laughs> the way open source business model works is obviously I am going to give you something for free. But when you let's say let's take an example of a coffee. Okay, so I am going to open a business for coffee. I am going to throw away my coffee for free. But as soon as you are going to ask for sugar or milk, I am going to charge you five times. So coffee is free, but milk or sugar is going to be five times. <laughs> that, that analogy is evil because, you know, the world runs on coffee. But um... <laughs> <laughs> but that's how open source business model works. That's how it is it supposed is, to be. It is. That's you the know, reality. <laughs> People don't get it. And, you know, my analogy for it would be um, it's relative how much they charge. It's really, you know, kind of like mosquito bites. They yep. get you for every single little thing. And, you know, so if you ask for too much, then then it is death by mosquito bites. But, you know, yep. if you only want a couple of things, then, you know, it may not be that, that much. But in terms of, you know, there are so many open source solutions out there. So, you know, we, we've got WooCommerce and, and we've got... Uh, Drupal and Joomla yep. and you know Press the Shop fits right in there with them, open cart. And so it kind of speaks to the level of customer that's that's at these shops, right? So the these are gonna be very solidly in the small to mid size range. They are definitely not gonna be in the the enterprise range. Exactly, exactly. And you are so right with that commentary. Uh, you know, they are definitely in the SMB market. That's what uh, they are uh, targeting. So let's talk about, you know, their journey overall in terms of headless. So obviously, they don't have a lot of presence there right now. Um, they are invest investor funded, uh, surprisingly enough. Uh, so even the open source platforms require a ton of money to be able to develop, I guess. Uh, and they are they are decently funded. They are not going to be as funded as some of the headless peers, but they have decent funding there uh, to be able to survive, I guess. Um, and by the way, I mean, see, their number of installations are fairly higher, uh, you know, compared to some of the other solutions in the market. And the only reason why they are going to be higher, number one, they are free. So obviously, that's a huge plus for a lot of businesses that cannot afford to pay for licensing. And they are okay, let's say, in hosting in their own data center uh, in the way, however they want to manage it. Sometimes uh, the guys who are really using these platforms, they are probably going to have developer background because a lot of e-commerce businesses are actually started by developers. So obviously their preference is going to be just because, you know, uh, it's your skill set. So obviously you are not paying for that, which is okay uh, because you have the web development infrastructure skill set. So, so uh, it's not too bad in my mind if you have those skill sets. But if you have to pay for it, Obviously, then it's a different story. Any other comments, Robert, before uh, we start on this? No. So if we if we look at, you know, how much revenue they're generating, um, it's been estimated that, that it costs between 14, uh, between four and 14 dollars per month for each installation. If you have 300,000 installations, that's not bad per month. Uh, I'm not too sure if those 300,000 is what you said, right? Uh, if they are paying anything, the majority of them will not be paying anything because obviously it's open source. Uh, well, so it, it depends on, you know, where there, there's a, a lot of factors in there, but you're right. Some of them may be paying nothing, but then they're also going to be paying for, you know, module add-ons. They may be paying for support. They may be paying for developer time, depending on who, what developer they get for it. So, you know, that's one of the things that open source teams do is they try to be the source of contact for yeah. their um, chosen area. There's some work that they choose not to do, and and they you know give it to partners, and some that they really want to. 
Yeah, and exactly. And and if you look at uh, you know some of the reviews and the commentary, and and the reason why I really sort of uh, you know believe in my coffee analogy because you know if you compare this with your e-commerce experience, these guys are actually charging for tea, and you don't have a lot of free teams uh, available. So you are going to pay. <laughs> How are you going to run without a team? <laughs> So you know, so so that's why you know, unless you are really some in the case of coffee, at least you can probably afford to have black coffee. But in the case of e-commerce, I don't think you can <laughs> e-commerce business without a theme. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, open source business is very tricky in my mind always. Yep. Um. Okay. So if you don't have any other commentary, um, let's uh, let's review some comments here. So here they are saying, Shop is a freemium open source e-commerce platform. The software is published under, you know, obviously the license is there, OSL, which is great. Uh, Presta Shop is currently used by 300,000 shops. Worldwide is available in 60 different languages. What other comments do we have here? So between May 2010 and 2012, uh, Presta Shop grew from 17 employees to more than 100. So that was a massive spike. But after that, they remained roughly about the same. So I don't know what's going on there, to be honest. Okay. So, uh, so between in those two years, uh, they were almost at 100 employees. But from there on, uh, they are at roughly 120 employees in offices in six countries. But right now, if you look at the count, I don't think it's, a, you know, it's similar. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on there. I really don't know. Maybe they were trying to get funding or whatever. Uh, yeah, I just uh, yeah. For, that, for them to go from seventeen to a hundred in that one one span, there there must have been some funding, probably yeah. substantial funding at that point to to help fund that growth and then um, consolidating. Exactly, exactly. So some more comments here. So in 2014, and by the way, if you correlate with this data point with some more commentary here, Robert. Uh, then 2014, they acquired 9.3 million funding. So that the hiring was right before the funding. So typically, that's going to be after funding. But <laughs> for some reason, the order is reversed. Um, so I don't know if they were trying to show the strength to get the funding. I don't know. Uh, you know, but this seems to be reversed. Um, uh, so in 2015, the company launched uh, PrestaShop Cloud. Uh, but at least since 2017 is no longer available. So I don't know what they were trying to do there. I, I just don't know. Maybe they killed the the hosting, I believe. So I don't know if PrestaShop hosts right now. The only thing you are going to get as part of your free license is really going to be your code base. It's not the hosting that is going to be free. You still need to pay for hosting when you are going to go for something like Shopify, BigCommerce. You are going to get support as well as hosting. Um, you know, so so you get far more when you pay for it. Here, the only thing you are getting is is really the code base that is very poorly documented. I guess you know it is no small endeavor for a for a company to set up a a cloud instance uh, for their service. Yeah. If if they were self hosting, if you outsource it to like Google or you know Amazon, that that's a different story. But if you're trying to build it on your own, they and we don't have the details on that. Yeah. It probably became uh, burdensome to find the resources, and they're afraid of liability because if they got hacked, then they were on the hook for it, and that liability is really. I, I completely agree. And by the way, even if you are hosting on Amazon or Google, you know, it's not that you are completely off the hook. You still need to figure out the architecture. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. But at least those are readily available. Yeah. 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 Yeah, at least you have some protection, but you, the architecture still matters. Yep. Uh, you know, you still need to hire the expertise to be able to build for that. Um, so here's some more comments here. Presta Shop uh, has been built as a monolith is the term that they are using following traditional object-oriented PHP practices. Uh, based on a custom framework, it is progressively being migrated to Symfony. Uh, the majority of the platforms that we have seen so far, they were based on Symfony, this is not even based on Symfony. So that's probably a, a little red flag there, because obviously Sym Symfony is going to have far more development-based resources. So that's, that, that could be a factor. Uh, now, here they are saying PrestaShop add-ons, a marketplace to which merchants purchase custom add-ons and themes for their 
stores. And I think that is paid. So here, this is the business model. This is where they have clarified the business model. As an open source organization, PrestaShop is faced with the challenge of generating revenue. Anybody is. <laughs> you have to feed your families. Okay, <laughs> by leveraging the size uh, and international scope of its open source community. Obviously, you know, the community is contributing the code. That's why you are able to deliver. So, you know, you have some advantages there of open source, uh, but you still have to make money to be able to feed your families uh, if you are going to be full time with this company. Um, the company established two main sources of revenue. Uh, so they are saying pressure up add-ons a marketplace through which merchants purchase custom add-ons and themes for their stores uh, and strategic partnerships with e-commerce industry leaders such as PayPal or Google. So this is one platform that try to promote the PayPal as their primary payment provider. And PayPal is very expensive in general, in my experience, when I look at the uh, the commission that typically PayPal charges, that's probably going to be big, higher than any other payment providers. And with this, you are not going to find a lot of payment providers. So now you need to integrate it yourself. Uh, so again, there are pros and cons. Uh, they are going to give you PayPal because that's where they are making money, even though the platform is open source. So there are always pros and cons of everything. Here they are saying in terms of features, uh, managing product listing, payments, shipping, manufacturers and suppliers. I don't see anything relevant there. Uh, uh, that allows users to customize, add new features through add-ons, modules. The PrestaShop add-ons marketplace provides a platform for third-party developers to sell themes and uh, modules to merchants. So it's not just the PrestaShop that is selling. Third-party uh, developers can sell uh, as well. Um, so that's similar to WordPress. The one thing that I really like about this one, and uh, I don't know if, uh, the other PHP communities are going to do the same thing. Uh, these guys are integrated with Elementor, uh, which is a big deal. Uh, it's much easier to find the Elementor uh, developers these days. And then you don't have to worry about changing themes because, you know, most of the developers that are publishing their themes, they are very, they are going to be very poorly funded overall. Uh, they are not backed by large companies in general. It's probably going to be one developer who's going to be supporting from somewhere and you don't know where they are living. Uh, and when you are going to get issues, then you can't get hold of them. And then who's going to support it? Nobody knows because the developers has written the code and they are not going to open it for you, even though <laughs> PrestaShop is going to be open for you. So this is where I like that they have integrated with Elementor, which is a big deal in general. But just because you have Elementor, that's not the complete story because you are still going to need a lot of add-ons. You are still going to need themes. So again, you need to rely on the community as well as the developers. So make sure you are paying attention to where you are getting your component. Go ahead, Robert. So the thing to, to be aware of, and we've talked about this a few times, when you start having lots of add-ons, um, you get this giant matrix and these guys can't cross-test with everything. And so just like you have with our other favorite open source tool, um, WordPress, you know, when when you get plugins that conflict, the site shuts down. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It really is. You know, and and their response is, oh well, it must be one of your plugins. So deactivate all of them and and then turn it back on individually to figure out which one's causing the problem. And so if you have a really slim team, yeah, you're either going to spend a lot of time debugging yeah. or you're going to pay somebody to support that for you. And even if you find somebody to support it for you, it's very hard even for them because, again, they don't have access to the code for those plugins. Okay, Nobody has the complete picture. Even if you have, it's going to be very hard to debug because you don't have documentation. So even if you have the, the core platform, okay, that is open source, so what? <laughs> and so what ends up happening? Oh, well, you have to open a ticket or you have exactly. to send an email and you have to wait for the developer to get back to you. And so your store could be sitting on the parking deck for a weekend and losing sales before you get you know, your issue resolved. Exactly. And by the way, I mean, see, anybody can forgive you, but Google is not going to forgive you. I, I guarantee this. OK, so if your site is going to be down or, uh, you know, some of the pages are going to be broken. Good luck with that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, especially if you have a really complex advertising program. So let's say that you've got like eight channels running and with, you know, multiple campaigns and suddenly your site goes down. You're going to be worrying about your site 
and you're going to forget about your campaigns. Your campaigns are, you know, basically driving all this traffic to the site and they're falling off like a waterfall. So you're just burning money in advertising that's not going to generate any revenue until you fix that. So process is important. Yeah. And Robert, uh, you know, with advertising, you have a little control there, to be honest. Okay. So you can probably pause them. Obviously, Google takes a little bit of time, uh, you know, to trust you again, even when you are paying. But with SEO, you are definitely going to lose. (laughs) And you're absolutely right. No, my my point being here is if you if you get into the mindset of a small team, right? So the mindset of a small team, we're not talking about a large team where you have individual roles, a smaller team, the site goes down. Everybody's going to be focused on the site, solving the site issue. So for them to, you know, we need to get the site back up because we're not making sales. We're not making money. Okay. Well, somebody has to have the wherewithal to like, oh, darn, we have ads running. We need to go turn them off. Is it difficult? No. You know, you can go pause them all. You can go pause the entire campaign. You can go pause all the campaigns, but it's logging into each one of the platforms that you're using and making sure that that is built into your process for your continuity. Yeah, could not agree more. Great point. So some very interesting things about the platform, and I like the way they have laid out uh, the shipping rates. This is a very, very, very good depiction of how shipping should be done in my mind. I don't think I've seen you know similar structure with any other platform, and that's why I found it really. Here, you are going to have all of the, the countries, and then you have the rules that are very clear in terms of how you are specifying. There's a clear hierarchy at the product level that you can specify, uh, and then these rules are going to kick in whether you are offering the free shipping for a specific combination uh, or you know simply uh, specifying your shipping tiers. Uh, this is done wonderfully well in, in my mind. Uh, it's really, really good. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a differentiator uh, for this platform because I have not seen it done it this well with the other platforms. They might have their own ways of doing things that might be slightly more complicated, but I do like this one a lot. This one certainly makes it very easy for um, a single product line. Exactly. With a, few, a few variations, but if you are a third-party seller with lots of different SKUs, you're going to have to upgrade for really your shipping. In okay, so do you want to provide some more colors there in terms sure. of commentary? So why is it going to be difficult? Let's say if I have millions of SKUs. So if you have lots of SKUs, right? So you you have that's a level of sophistication, right, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's a level of sophistication of your logistics of understanding. You know where your where your SKUs are, what you're selling, how big they are, and what the cost is to move each one of them. Let's say here in the U.S. alone, right? So, what shipper are you going to use? Are you going to use UPS Ground, which is three days around New York City? Yeah. You know where I'm based, or are you going to go to the Midwest, or you know are you going to go to California? Which zone is it going to be? And then what surcharges are going to go along with that? And so, for very simplistic pricing, this is great. But if you're going to have a lot of SKUs, you need to know which which of your shipping contracts is going to supply the best rate for that particular SKU so you don't uh, sell it underwater. I see where you are going with that. Uh, so basically, the mapping of your plans uh, with your SKUs. So here, the only thing you are mapping is just the rate. Um, that correlation does not exist with your plan. Yeah, I, I see where you are. So this is very simplistic, and this works really, really well for you know like the smaller, less, less complicated shippers. But for yep. more larger, more complicated, then you need to get to a different level. I completely agree, and I think we saw even in Shopify. I think they have this um, yep. when you are going to have the yeah right. Yeah, because yeah. then then you have to actually start thinking about you know dim shipping rates. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, so here are some more very interesting things, and I don't know, Robert, if you are going to like it, but I personally like that. Uh, and again, I don't think I have seen this being it as this clear. I my understanding is that BigCommerce supports this. Magento, you are going to get this. Uh, you know, I don't know if other platforms are going to have this sophistication, especially with the variant functionality. So here, Robert, what you are doing is once you specify all of your variations. For example, your uh, size, color, uh, and then you have the texture. Uh, once you specify all of that, it's actually going to generate all of the SKUs uh, as soon as you press the degenerate button. So you have reduced maintenance time. Otherwise, with other platforms, they might have features such as, you know what, you can duplicate the SKU. So you are going to duplicate the SKU, and then you still have to uh, sort of accommodate the variations in this. You know, the whole process is sort of 
you know, magical. <laughs> the way, you know, it's going to work. So I kind of like it. No, I, I like this. This, this, you know, I've seen some people trying to do it automated in spreadsheets and then upload the spreadsheet. But, you know, this is very nice because then you just go into the attributes and you create all the attributes. And the only thing you have to remember is if one of the attributes is no longer available, then you just have to go delete it once you're out of stock. Uh, okay, so okay, so so I let's do a little walkthrough of the last scenario that you mentioned. So okay, so so let's say if the attribute is not going to be available, so what's going to happen again? All right, so let's say that you have right in front of us, you got the size small and black. Yeah. Okay, so you've got that in stock, but you no longer can get it, right? So you've got five in stock. So you need to sell out those five and then remove the attribute of black. So you. Interesting. So, okay. So, so one thing, let's, let's get one thing out of our way is going to be, okay, when you are creating something, that's always going to be far harder than deleting. Okay. Deleting is always easier. Okay. That's why you don't have as much maintenance when it comes to. So let's say if I want to delete, you know, I want to sort all of the black ones that I have at these two level, I simply select boom and then hit delete. And then I am going to go and delete my attribute. Do you still see that there is going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, effort there? Or uh... no, I don't. It's, it's not much of an effort at all. What I'm all I'm saying is what I've noticed consistently across um, organizations is yeah. uh, a challenge with process. Right. And you know, so it's there. There's oftentimes one-offs that create confusion when you have to go back and do it again. And so the the need to get into a habit of doing documentation and creating those processes. So. Right you can have a consistent result. Yeah, could not agree more. I mean, you have to have the processes irrespective of, you know, how your system is being managed. I mean, uh, yeah, there is, the processes are not so great point. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so some more very interesting features that I don't think I have seen it anywhere else so far. So the way they have done the brands and suppliers, and I don't know what is the intent. Um, so the brands and supplier. I don't know if they are trying to drop ship a lot of e-commerce platforms. They are going to have their PO functionality as part of your e-commerce platforms because they might not have an ERP. So everything is sort of managed inside your e-commerce platform. So here they have the brands. By the way, brands is a big deal for an SMB platforms. And now I don't know if the brand, the way they are referring, if these are going to be the website brands, uh, you know, because in the e-commerce world, the way the brands are going to be perceived when you are going to go across the platforms, they are going to have one website for each of the brands. But here, Robert, how would you uh, take this? Is it going to be more of the brands that you are carrying from the suppliers? Is that the intent? Um, <laughs> that that is what I am taking this to mean. You know, so if if I am a, a three piece seller of sneakers. And I manage and I, I specialize in, say, Adidas and Nike. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to want to have the, the Adidas and Nike logos on there and associate them with the appropriate SKUs. So I'm getting the right um, presentation on the product detail page. And but you also may have multiple suppliers for that. And so you're associating which suppliers are supplying which products. To I think that's what I see here. Right. So my take on this is going to be, why did we not see this with the other platforms that we have reviewed so far? And the other take that I am going to have is, okay, is this platform going to be more of B2C or is it going to be B2B or somewhere in between? I think, uh, this, is, this, I think this is more B2C. So I have seen this functionality in big commerce. So you can actually add the brand logos yeah. in, a, in a separate screen, and then you associate your SKU with that brand. So the logo is replicated across the site, wherever that brand may be. Okay, very interesting. Um, any other commentary here on this one? No? Nope. Okay, good. Um, okay, so some more interesting layers overall. Uh, you know, they have the customer service module. Uh, we have seen in the case of Oro, uh, they had their CRM offering bundled as part of e-commerce. These guys are trying to bundle customer service. Um, so obviously uh, that's slightly more extending the boundaries of uh, e-commerce. But when I think of customer service, Robert, uh, you know, customer service, especially if you're using e-commerce platform, especially in B2B, okay, uh, you are going to have your sales reps. You are going to have your customer service. They are probably going to be 
on your e-commerce platform, they are probably not going to like ERP depending upon, you know, how much B2B processes you have versus, you know, if everything is served through your e-commerce platform. And that's where the design is probably going to be handy in the kind of issues you are going to get because you are always going to have sort of pros and cons. Uh, but based on what I have seen uh, in the market, the majority of the businesses, they like to have their sales and, and customer service operating on e-commerce and ERP setting somewhere in the back end, um, you know, just doing the accounting. Uh, so th- this this is a very common piece of functionality for B2C and smaller smaller organizations because, you know, you don't have the separate systems. You don't have the, the manpower for it. So you, it's just going to be, you're going to be multitasking and having it in one place. So, you know, the customer opens up a ticket and, you know, you can see whether it's, you know, it's being returned, have the tracking label, the communications to the customer all in one place for the folks that are going to be within the organization multitasking. Exactly. Exactly. Great points. If you don't have anything else on that, let's move to the next one. I like this. <laughs> this one is great. I absolutely love it. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why we did not see this in any other platform. Um, and this is not meant to be a workflow. So when we saw Oro, uh, they had sort of the approval workflow. Uh, right. If you remember correctly, and it was way too complicated for anybody to be able to understand. Uh, okay, but here, this is the timeline of the transaction. So in my mind, this is going to provide the traceability for your customer's apps uh, as well as your sales apps if they are using your e-commerce platform to debug. So this is definitely going to add to your customer experience. Yeah, th- this this is a very simplistic view for very simple orders. And if it's it becomes very complicated, then this would become unwieldy. I've seen a number of um, order history screens that are basically you know spreadsheets. So you just get a bunch of lines. And, you know, date order and, you know, you can export that to slice and dice it however you want. So when you're dealing with large volumes, that makes it easier. But, you know, this this makes it very easy to deal with that individual order to see exactly what's going on. So you are actually hitting on a very interesting point. And the reason why other platforms would not be able to do something like this is because they are trying to pull off much larger volume. Their order is going to be very complex. So I don't know if this is going to make sense in their case as well. My understanding of this platform is going to be this is really designed for very simplistic e-commerce operations. It's not really designed for very complex uh, e-commerce operations. And that's why it is probably good uh, to give them because, you know, they might not have as much background with technology. So, you know, they need to have a little visual clues there. <laughs> and, you know, you raised a really, really great point right there. And I, I have run into this and I'm sure that you have as well. When you have an organization that has a tool that they're used to and they're comfortable with it and they continue to duct tape it um, and it's long past due being replaced and they're like, no, we can make do. Come on. We just need this little adjustment right here and to get them to understand you've outgrown this. It's time to move up to the next league. You know, it's that balance of when is that move time and getting getting the executives to buy into that. And speaking of duct tapes, I think you are going to see a lot when you are using an open source platform. You give it to developers, let them do whatever they want to do, and good luck with that. Everywhere, the only thing you are going to see is duct tape. Um, well, you, you would be very lucky if they at least go to Home Depot and get one piece of tape of every color so you can at least keep track. Exactly. Great point. Could not agree more. <laughs> um, okay. So here we have the payment and it's very lean overall. And this is always my concern. So for me, Robert, when I look at the e-commerce, my priority always is going to be payment and shipping. Those two. That's my bread and butter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you are not going to give me the right rate, you know, as the CFO, I am probably not going to feel comfortable irrespective of how sexy the platform is going. Okay, so I don't care for the technology as the CFO because for me, rate is my bread and butter. And if I am paying PayPal, um, you know, and I don't know what is the recent rate, I think this to be like, what, 7%? (laughs) And that's probably two, three times of what, um, you know, Shopify or any other platforms in the market are probably going to charge. That's a deal breaker for me. Yeah, it's that is one thing that, you know, far too many people overlook is the spread 
yeah. right? What what the VIG is going to be for you to use their service. You know, initially they're thinking, you know what, I just I just need to get something in place. And it's only after the shop is running for a little while that they realize that, you know, maybe their CPA says, you know what, you're paying a little higher rates here. And, you know, we usually end up seeing that in very small brick and mortars that don't have good credit rating and they have to take the third tier uh, merchant services companies that typically yeah. have higher merchant services rates. When you get to a higher credit rating and a little bit um, better well known, then you can actually move on to the the Elevon where, you know, you're paying like the 1.38 and 30 percent or or less. Um, it's, it's frustrating. But, you know, looking through their payment modules. They've got a lot, and there are a lot of downloads of these. Exactly, and the other points I am going to make here, Robert, and I don't know if you're going to agree with this comment or not, you know, I'm probably going to call out some of the agencies in the market, okay? Uh, and the reason why I am calling them out is because, you know, they do prefer, you know, open source a lot just because it's going to be development dollars for them, uh, okay? <laughs> so obviously, everybody sort of incentivized uh, to make the highest amount of dollars for them so you know if agency is coming in they are going to think okay why am i paying to shopify in big commerce okay you can probably uh, get far better value let's say if you got for the open source from your perspective let's say if you are a brand or the manufacturer or the retailer you are probably going to end up paying same the beneficiary in this um, equation is probably going to be the agency which is development heavy because they are making a lot more dollars um, you know, based on uh, development. So from your perspective, you are bearing a far more risk, uh, but then you are paying roughly the same. If you have internal development capabilities, then it's a different story because you are not paying as much. Uh, so I don't know how you would take this, uh, Robert. You know, that is, a, <laughs> that is a mixed bag. It really is because you've got onshore developers that are very expensive. Yeah. You know, so so typically the smaller shops are going to say, I can't afford that. And, and so they're going to go look for the offshore teams or those that are offering lower rates that are using offshore teams. Um, there are some offshore teams that present themselves as uh, U.S. shops and they're outsourced to like, you know, uh, the Ukraine. And so they're charging, you know, they pay their developers 15, 20 bucks an hour. They're charging you 40. They're making the spread plus the actual time to pay their developers. If you have your own developer on staff, are you going to have an offshore developer? fully attached to you and, you know, deal with that time zone difference, but maybe a language difference, or are you going to pay U.S. rates? And, you know, then you also have to have a development manager to oversee what the developer's doing to make sure that they're not taking shortcuts and they're not going to expose you. So here's my take on that experience, Robert. And again, if you're talking about a team where you have 50 developers, where 40 could be offshore, 10 could be onshore, uh, you know, then it's a different case. But typically, when you are looking at the SMB market, you are probably going to have one developer. And my understanding and my experience working with Offshore, they are going to be great at technology. But just being great at technology is not enough when you are developing a business solution, irrespective of whether you are doing e-commerce uh, or ERP. Okay, there are a million ways of doing the same thing. And you need to understand the number one business rationale. Number two, how it is going to impact your SEO. Uh, sure, they might know technically, but they are not going to be expert at business. So where are you going to find that expertise? And typically, when you're going to have onshore developers, they are going to have far more perspective. So in my mind, it always evens out. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. I mean, you know, there's a lot to consider. What what I have typically found is many of the offshore firms that I have dealt with, the very big brand name ones, um, you usually end up getting a junior developer who yeah. reads a lot of code. And, you know, every once in a while, there's a code review. So your code is not as efficient as it could be. Exactly. Um, and then you go through twice as much Q&A to fix what an onshore developer wouldn't have done in the first place. So you, you sometimes have language communication problems. Exactly. Um, not that they don't speak English, but it's the, the finesse of fluency and, and accent. Um, there, I've worked with some Irish developers that their Irish accent is so heavy. I have to ask them three times, what, you know, and so you, you have to tread that path lightly. Yeah. With, so with even if you can figure out, let's 
not worry about that you know the the linguistic barriers that we have but even if you are simply focusing on the technology solution you know technology is supposed to be an art okay the way they are supposed to find it's not science it was never science software was never science okay whenever you are going to be accomplishing something there are going to be probably million ways of accomplishing the same thing a junior developer is going to know just one way okay or two ways or three ways not five <laughs> you know thousands of ways and when you are going to be hiring senior uh, people that are going to be at least doing the code reviews as you correctly pointed out then they are going to be guiding them in the right direction so again if you have 40 50 developers that you can afford then that structure might make sense but for an average smb where you are going to get just one junior developer oh yeah. my goodness you know good luck with that you are not going to get performance you are going to have a lot of issues do, do you know how often i have seen developers in like reddit asking for ways to do stuff it's it's you know that you get and they they work for rather large companies that have you know 12 european websites and they don't know how to do you know multilingual and they're they're, they're trying to figure out how to make that plugin work and you know can somebody give them a code snippet it's, it's so there's it, it's just you know there's no one size fits all yeah it's just you have to take a look at what the company is trying to achieve and the dollars that they have to do it and and try to help them find the best path forward with those variables exactly exactly great points um any other points robert on this uh, slide yes, or payment okay so some more very interesting things here the number of order statuses that they have okay <laughs> i have not seen it any now i am happy as well as sad um happy because obviously sometimes you do need a lot of different order statuses but when you are going to be looking at any developer centric platform that uh, that is very developer driven typically that is going to be over engineered in general uh, okay just because the way they think you know the way they work you know everything is going to have millions of possibilities from the business perspective i don't know if you need all of that okay business likes to simplify things. um so <laughs> I'm I feel this is slightly cluttered in 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 my opinion and I don't know if they have really considered the target persona who's going to be using so yeah so I don't know if I really like it uh but you know the positive is going to be that you are probably going to have the traceability based on different order statuses and you can take different actions based on these order statuses but I for me it's kind of busy it is very busy I can see a use case where it would be valuable to have those different ones but I wonder if this is just in a config file and you can adjust it for your own needs. Yeah, I I'm not too sure about that. And you know, some of these statuses seems to be slightly more overlapping here. Yeah, so I I completely agree with your point. Uh and typically with e-commerce ERP kind of solutions, um uh, even if you are able to change this in a config file, that typically impacts your workflow. So even if you are able to change it technically, make sure you analyze it thoroughly. because you are going to have dependencies on your workflow so i don't know how you are going to manage so again <laughs> this is not your technology platform uh, you know there's a very different business solution that is going to have some sort of implication on the yeah. downstream processes so yeah i don't know <laughs> well what what you sometimes see is you get a newbie who's just you know been introduced to the platform and they say you know what i don't need this and i don't need this and i don't need this and then 6 months to a year down the road they're looking for a particular report that's not generating and they realize it's because you remove statuses that those reports are no longer working yeah exactly great point great point robert um do you have anything else on this one no, no? okay um so okay so this is what i personally like okay as a developer i want to see this uh you know you have everything right in front of you um sql manager uh, a lot of erp platforms are going to have this um i do know if uh, the e-commerce platforms uh, provide and again this is a very developer perspective um that's why they have done it this way so you are probably going to get far more control um and if you watch the demo video the way they have shown this robert you know you can probably uh you know uh, download this sql query you can integrate with one of the rem platform to be able to do your analysis so it's really slick and neat the way um, they have done it and just in general when you have access to your database uh, on your ui at least you don't have to mess with installing uh, the sql studio or whatever and then playing with that so sometimes business people they are not going to be as comfortable but here you have everything as part of uh, the ui and typically in my experience 
business people are okay in figuring out SQL, I think. Um, so this is a great, great, great addition. Yeah, it's, you, know, you just need to really understand where the data is lying to get the reports that you want. But I do love getting direct access to the data. Exactly, exactly. Could not agree. Um, okay. Um, so here are their integrations. And, you know, in my opinion, they are really lean. Sure, you have Stripe here. You have Klarna here. Um, so maybe you will be able to manage uh, because, you know, as long as you are doing Stripe, they might be able to cover most of the credit cards that you are probably going to need. Klarna may be able to cover all the international payment workflows for you, uh, you know, and some of the advanced scenarios such as, uh, uh, what is that, um, uh, buy now, pay later? Yeah. Uh, buy now, pay later, right? I mean, I think they are doing that. Yeah. You know, they, they, they have many. So they've got Apple Pay. They've got, you know, of course, Amazon Pay. They've got, you can pay with Bitcoin. It's just a matter of which um, which payment tools you want to pay for to have integrated. Exactly. Exactly. Could not agree. They have more than six pages of them. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, so the other comment I would have here, uh, Robert, and I don't know if you are going to agree with me, the shipping overall, you know, is very lean in general. So they have DHL here, you know, and some of the ones that I have never seen them before. So obviously they are going to be very, you know, France or European centric. And that's probably the reason why we are not able to connect with them uh, or relate with them. Um, so obviously this is a very European centric platform, yep. but a lot of North American businesses are using it as well. So make sure you are sort of doing your due diligence that you are probably going to be needing these platforms. Um, the other comment I'm going to have here is going to be the hosting, uh, looks really lean. If you are going to be doing only one and one, and I don't know which one is this, is it Ionos or how do you read that or pronounce that? Is it uh, Ionos. Ionos? Okay, Ionos. So, okay, so Ionos, uh, but you don't have anything else. Um. <laughs> well, you know, One and One is a German company. And, you know, I remember um, when they first came here, a, a friend of mine actually helped them, uh, a, a lawyer helped them, you know, do all their documentation to get, you know, installed here in the US. And they're big and they were offering lots of great services. Do I think they're the best hosts out there? No, they're just European based. I think, you know, we have some better ones here in the US. So for that to be the only one, that's interesting. Yeah, honestly speaking, I mean, it's not really U.S. versus Europe, right? I mean, whichever yeah. geography you are going to be in, you probably want to explore whatever is going to be available in your geography. But at the same time, let's say if U.S. businesses are or uh, North American businesses are trying to use this platform, then they need to do a little bit of due diligence in terms of where it is going to be hosted, what kind of payment platforms are going to be supported, and the delivery as well. Yeah. Um, so now, in terms of the brands, and I, you are typically far better in doing research for these brands, Robert, and I don't know if you have had a chance to look at any of those. Uh, there are some big ones here, you know, I can recognize, uh, but not a lot, to be honest, and, and I don't know if these are really SMB. Some seem to be slightly bigger, uh, whether it is B2B, B2C, from the industry perspective, they seem to be focused on fashion. Uh, food and drinks and sport. Um, yep. So my understanding is going to be it's still very B two C. Yep, it it that's these are the brands that I know from B B two C as well. So I I have not seen um, a B two B implementation of this in the stuff that I've looked at. Yeah, and I think I read some of the commentary that they don't have the advanced B two B features. For example, non e commerce centric play. Uh, if you talk about ticket sales, uh, you talk about subscription, you know, you are probably not going to find in this. So this is probably designed for very product-centric organizations. And obviously, e-commerce is not just limited to that, but a lot of people think that e-commerce, product, art product, <laughs> that's and, not, you know. <laughs> you know, subscri subscriptions is, is still a very hot topic, and WooCommerce has a, a pretty good subscription module. Uh, is that native or is that add-on? Uh, add-on. Add-on, right? So it's not really. Oh, yeah, it's it's an extra one ninety nine a year. Yeah, yeah. I'm not typically worried about one ninety nine. It's the maintenance nightmare that you borrow when you are going to be utilizing every single add-on. That's always my risk with any of the add-ons. Yep, Com completely agree. And Especially when you start getting those those custom themes and you start doing those plugins in there, there's conflict is fun. 
yeah and by the way the way uh wordpress is designed it was never designed to be sort of the database driven app in my mind uh, the way user security architecture is done okay typically in when you are dealing with dollars you know you better have some sort of you know segregation of duties there even if you're going to have two layers uh, or three layers or five layers you know whatever you need for your organization but in my mind when i'm dealing with dollars i need to have some sort of you know security that structures there um wordpress was never designed for that in fact the way their plugins are designed each of them are sort of going to have their own tables so it's not as like as some of the other add-ons that you are going to see in the other ecosystem where maybe the add-on is just in ui and the only thing it is doing is accessing the underlying same tables in those cases you are not going to have as much risk but in this particular case most of the wordpress add-ons uh, you know they are not done well in my mind and well yeah you see a developer does a a plugin he releases it it and may be popular for a while and then the competition heats up and he has to devote more time to it and decides not to and so then it falls by the wayside it's no longer being updated and just kind of leaves that customer going wait a minute it's not working with my tool anymore and he's not responding to my queries because he's a sole developer many of them are exactly but then you have to migrate to something else and and that's why i like elementor a lot to be honest it's a very well funded company okay and they are doing really well uh, so if you can let's say even if you can cover your 80% of coverage on elementor uh, you are probably going to have a very happy life uh, you know if you have to use 10% 20% of the code coverage in terms of add on go ahead and use that i mean you need to use a lot of add ons anyways uh, but at least try to think more in terms of the code coverage and the percentage what risk you are bearing in general mm-hmm. so some more comments here so here okay so uh presta shop checkout where is it available and this is coming from their faq and they have mentioned that the only countries that it is going to be available in is going to be in france italy and spain um so obviously you know their target market is probably going to be these countries uh, even though they are trying to sell everywhere but for the most part the majority of the functionality um, you are probably going to get in these countries so if you are let's say france based startup or italy based startup then you are probably going to get far more mileage based on this platform not sure about the other countries if you don't have any other comment here no. so here i actually like this functionality a lot and again this particular functionality is going to be available in b2b scenarios where you can disable the pricing um, so they are allowing that i don't know how many platforms out there can do that um uh, robert do you know if shopify is going to allow that i would think that they are probably not going to have that because they were always targeted for b2c yeah i have not seen an implementation of shopify without prices yeah and big commerce most likely mm-hmm. they are probably going to allow because they are obviously targeted for b2c Uh, but this is a very interesting piece of functionality required for B2B. You are probably going to need this uh, because sometimes you will not be able to show price. Uh, you know, if they are going to be either guest users or visitors or whatever, maybe right. the use case or scenario. Um, quickly on some reviews, and then we can probably open up the commentary. So here, uh, the comment is coming from a very small shop, 11 to 50 employees, uh, and they are in Singapore. uh you know they are complaining about reports then it does not have enough reports uh you know which is okay i don't know what to expect when you are going to be using open source platform uh some more commentary here businesses dealing from uh you know one product to 100000 products it is probably going to be okay but when you are going to have millions of skus it's probably not going to be okay i don't know why you would use this platform when you are going to have a million skus i don't see a reason uh but if you have made that decision good luck to you <laughs> uh here it, it, the user is also complaining about uh, events registration subscription and the tickets and bookings uh, you know you are not going to get this so non traditional e-commerce workflows are probably not going to be supported here um some more commentary here uh, great e-commerce open source software this is also very small business so you can see a trend that it is primarily used by startups uh, you know one to ten employees and uh, here they are saying not a free not a lot of free templates and that was my problem as well you are not going to get a lot of themes and the templates that you can get it for free and then you have to pay a lot to either uh, you know press shop or third party developers uh, so here they are saying images can sometimes be too compressed and lose their full quality they are doing a lot of work in the case of images so there is something going on here i don't know but images probably going to be uh, you know critical for you if you are a e-commerce business so make sure you do llpoc there and verifying their capability um 
product selling platforms rather than surveys. Uh, there is a little jab here on their business model, I guess. That's pretty much it, Robert. So I'm actually going to open up for the commentary as well as uh, comments uh, from audience. Honestly, you know, this is basically just um, WordPress, WooCommerce, the French edition. That's how I would define it. Uh, to be honest, it's probably going to have slightly superior e-commerce functionality in my mind. I don't know if WooCommerce is going to be as rich uh, in features as this is going to be. So it's definitely going to be slightly richer, but obviously your WordPress is going to be slightly richer from the content perspective. So you have pros and cons. Yeah, it's it's... I can't, you know, put a dollar number on the size that you should consider start moving out of this. I think it really comes down to the level of complexity, the number of orders that you have on a regular basis, how large your team actually becomes when you start feeling the pain in certain areas. You know, you you know that when you have uh, teams wearing multiple hats and they start spending an awful lot of time in one area like customer service. Um you know, you have to start taking a look at why are they spending all that time on customer service? Is it technology that's causing it or is yep. it volume that's causing it? Exactly. Could not agree more. And in my mind, Robert, and, you know, you can disagree if you like. My take on this is going to be, let's say if you are uh, under a million dollar. And again, if you are under a million dollar, why would it be too expensive developers? Uh, you know, that would not make a ton of sense. But let's say if you are the developer yourself and you started e-commerce business then you are not paying for developers, then, you know, it would probably make sense to use this platform until you reach a million two. Uh, but after that, you know, you can probably afford the other platforms. You're going to get far better security. You are going to get far better support with Shopify e-commerce. So that's yep. how I would like to define it. Yeah. I if So I know a $20 million retailer and they were on big commerce and they had a very lean staff did not have a developer on staff you know it was every once in a while they would do some custom development and you know i would not have recommended them be on this just because of the complexity of maintenance yeah could not agree more great point. um so let's go over some of the comments we can do it together um so here bob is saying that looks really cool so i think he may have commented on one of the features uh then he is saying does it bring in the accounting side too? And this is probably going to be a red flag for me. Okay. So I don't know why you would be bringing the accounting side uh, in the e commerce platform. Uh, typically, you want to use the e commerce platform only for the sales and marketing purposes. As soon as you get into the operations, you probably want to hand it off to either ERP or some other platforms that you might be using. If you are small, you know, your teams are not really decoupled. You might host a lot of things in the e-commerce platform, but you'll not be able to scale after a certain point. Uh, yeah, I think at least, you know, since Bob isn't here to answer that, I think he took off. But I think really what he was asking is, is there a way to integrate that so you can get, say, um, QuickBooks to this? And I do not see a QuickBooks integration. I do see lots of tax um like tax jar is in here, um, but I don't see like zero or QuickBooks. So typically, Robert, uh, you know, the way QuickBooks integration is going to work in most commerce platform, it's probably going to be one way push. Sometimes they might do a little pull as well in bringing some of the data that might be sitting in, in QuickBooks. But typically the way architecture design in these smaller firms, QuickBooks, the only thing it does is accounting. It does not even store customers at time. Okay, right. it does not store products. So you are simply sending your GL entries so there is no sort of role of QuickBooks. So obviously your financials are not going to be embedded as part of each step. And based on Bob's background, he is thinking more from the, you know, when you look at the product margins, when you look at, you know, yep. cost accounting, that's where the, the real play is in terms of identifying the opportunity. But that is all not going to be possible. This no, no, it's, it's yeah. going to be, uh, you know, SQL queries and export to Excel and cross-tab queries and, you know, other hacky kind of analysis in reactive approach you know it's not that you can take action based on the insight that you have embedded as part of your transaction and that's where you are probably going to be slightly more sophisticated in your architecture and you know you need to use something like erp um okay um so sales tax functionality i think he had a comment there uh i think that's pretty much it for comments any other final comments robert before we close no nope. okay amazing 
So that's it for today, guys. If you joined for the first time, this was part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another vendor or the solution. On that note, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Robert Brown, head over to rgbecommerce.com. It's R-G-B-E-C-O-M-M-E-R-C-E.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Erica Salmlanch, who shares her insights on how AI can be used to improve customer engagement. Also, the interview with Noemi Kells, who shares her insights into how the water industry works and how its sales cycle differs from other industries. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.